Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from howtodrawcomics.net, bringing you another episode of the HTDC podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Michael Pedro. Michael is an animation art director and concept designer for video games and film, specializing primarily in environment, character, and creature design. He is also one of our newest instructors on howtodrawcomics.net, so I thought we'd invite him onto the show today to discuss his career as an artist, how he got started, who he learned from, and how he went about honing his skill set. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to it all week, ever since we uh, decided to, to organize this uh, this little catch-up of ours. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's funny. Um, I'd followed your uh, your YouTube channel for a while. Um, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, I would just be, you know, just kind of going down the rabbit hole of doing YouTube searches, you know, just something art related to, you know, kind of watch or listen to while I'm working. And uh, your channel is one that I would come across frequently. Um, and it was, uh, man, what was the one? Uh, I want to say it was a Ninja Turtle uh, yep. piece. Uh, yeah, doing inks or whatever. And, um, yeah, I remember, you know, coming across those videos and, uh, uh, I ended up subscribing and then, um, yeah, uh, later on when you, when you reached out and you're like, Hey, you know, we're trying to get more artists on the site. I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Cause I've been following your work for a while. So yeah, this is great. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Very, very honored that uh, a man of uh, your talent uh, came across my YouTube channel and managed to get something out of the videos that I was putting up there. That's pretty cool. Right. Well, it, it was, uh, you know, and it was also the content, too, because, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, I had, like, uh, what, like, three pillars of my childhood, and it was uh, uh, Ninja Turtles, Masters of the Universe, and Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, oh, my God awesome you know ninja turtle or whatever so uh yeah i think that was the the first video that i ever saw and then uh i just kind of yeah i just started following up and uh ended up subscribing after that so yeah good stuff yeah i think that was one of the first videos that i ever put out actually and it was uh a hit i mean apparently you know people are into ninja turtles who would have thought huh (laughs) right (laughs) Right. (laughs) all right cool man well um how about we just start from the beginning here? How long have you been drawing, and, and why did you get into it in the first place? Uh, well, God, I mean, I've been, I've been drawing my entire life. Um, I mean, it, it just kind of started as, uh, it, well, both my parents are, are sort of vaguely artistic in their own ways, and uh, they, when I was growing up, they were always really supportive of, you know, me trying out, you know, all sorts of different things, whether it was sports or other extracurricular stuff. And art was just one of those things where, you know, my dad would sit and, you know, would draw with me and everything. And then I guess at some point, like, uh, he realized, uh, cause he's one of those artists who, um, it's like he could open up a comic page and, you know, duplicate it somehow. He's like a human copying machine. And uh, so he would sit down and he would like, you know, pose out Ninja Turtles or whatever figures I had. And, you know, he would sit there and draw them. And then I guess he realized at one point he was like, oh, like my son doesn't have to just like copy the pose. He kind of comes up with his own stuff. Not that it looked any good. <laughs> but uh, I think it was just one of those things where they were like, oh, OK, he he seems to have an aptitude for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I've just been drawn my whole life. And then um, 
you know, just like half of my friends, I ended up getting into comic books and, um, you know, when I was in high school, that was what I wanted to do. You know, if you, if you asked me and, you know, my close friends, it was like, what do you guys want to do? Oh, we want to do comics. Uh, cause at the time we didn't know that, uh, unless you were, you know, a superstar, uh, you weren't really going to make a whole lot of money doing it. Um, and so, you know, we, we sort of had these dreams of, you know, making our own IPs and, you know, doing our own stories and making our own books and everything. And, uh, you know, as I got older and, you know, I was exposed to different facets of, you know, art, uh, and entertainment, I realized that, uh, um, you know, doing, you know, concept art and doing, you know, computer modeling and animation, like that was a thing too. And, uh, so after high school, I ended up going to, uh, the Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida, and I majored in computer animation. And, uh, my favorite parts of computer animation were always the, cause like they taught us every, every aspect of it. Like, you know, uh, coming up with your own story ideas. Uh, doing storyboarding, doing your character design, doing your environment design, and then modeling everything, and then texturing everything, and then rigging things for animation, you know, and then lighting it, and rendering it, and the whole thing. And the stuff that I always gravitated towards was, you know, the storyboarding, the concept art, and then, you know, modeling, you know, characters, and, you know, doing lighting, and doing the animation itself, actually. I, I, I never really seemed to have an aptitude for it. I could never make the software do what I wanted. Uh, and so about halfway through my college career, that was about the time when, um, I want to say it was the Craig Mullins was starting to get really popular online and, uh, you know, the, the Star Wars prequels have been coming out and, you know, there were the art books and suddenly there was all this interest in concept art for film. Um, and then I, I just, I kind of went down that rabbit hole and I was just, you know, I was, you know, looking at the, the Nomen DVDs that they used to put out. Um, totally. uh, I'm. I must have watched the Feng Zhu DVDs like a thousand times and tried to emulate it and everything. Um, and I just kind of went all in on it. I was like, this is what I want to do is, is um, some type of concept art. And at the time I was, you know, my version of concept art was kind of a, a mashup of the type of stuff that you'd see, uh, you know, coming out of the art center artists where, you know, they were using the Prismacolor markers and the pens and, you know, the stuff you'd see in a star Wars book, it was sort of a mashup of that and more of my comic book sensibilities. Mm. And so I was always trying to figure out a way that I could kind of bridge those. Um, so anyways, I just kind of, you know, I, I poured a lot of my energy into trying to learn that trade. Um, I wanted to get into film uh, after I graduated. Unfortunately, that wasn't in the cards. Um, I ended up getting a, a job in games over at EA. And uh, I got in working as a modeler. And uh, there's a huge concept artist in the industry. His name is Philip Straub. And I got to give him a shout out because he was our concept art director over there. And he had a concept art class that he ran uh, in one of our, you know, open spaces downstairs. And, uh, you know, I would go to him and, you know, show him my stuff. And he was like, you know, I really think that you could have a career doing concept art. Uh, but you got to be more well-rounded because all I did was characters. Um, I hated doing environments. Absolutely hated it. Um, I never liked doing environments. My mom used to make fun of me all the time that uh, I would do these really, really cool characters on white backgrounds. <laughs> and that's all I knew how to do. Um, so he was like, look, you, you just, you got to be more well-rounded. You kind of have to really, really train yourself to know every aspect of, of the concept art pipeline. It's like, all right. So I kept on doing my modeling job and, you know, 
uh, you know, that was paying the bills. And meanwhile, I was, you know, just working every night, you know, on personal projects, you know, doing some freelance stuff here and there, just really, really trying to push my uh, abilities in concept art, doing environments. Um, eventually, a guy that I worked with over at EA, uh, he moved out to Austin, Texas to um, Sony Online Entertainment when they were still around. Now they're Daybreak. And uh, they were just starting up the DC Universe Online project. And he got a hold of me because he was the, the lead artist, uh, lead environment artist out there. And, uh, you know, they're starting up their team and everything. And he was like, look, here's the deal. He was like, you're super into comics. Uh, you know, I trust you. You know, uh, you, you do good work. I need somebody to help me out. So he ended up bringing me out there, which is why I'm out here in Austin. And uh, so we started working on that project. It was really cool because um, Jim Lee was actually sort of the creative director and he would come in and, uh, you know, he would he would do, uh, like, character styling exemplars for us. You know, he would look at our ZBrush character models and, you know, he would do paint overs. And, you know, because the whole, the whole shtick of the game, the, the whole uh, aesthetic direction was uh, making characters that looked like they were designed by Jim Lee. So they, they did the, the facial proportions like Jim Lee would do them. Uh, I mean, everything. The anatomy was stylized the way that Jim Lee would do it. So I got to meet Jim. I got to, you know, pitch ideas to him. That was really, really special. I remember the first time I met him, uh, you know, it was it was like out of a movie where the person meets their hero and then they just sit there, you know, stumbling all over themselves because they don't know what to say. It was kind of like that because I've been looking at his art in comic books, you know, ever since I was a kid looking at X-Men and whatever. Um, so I got to meet him and, and, you know, he was such a great guy. He's super nice. Uh, you know, they always tell you, you know, don't meet your heroes. Um I'm super glad I got to meet Jim. I mean, he was such an inspiration to keep pushing, you know, my concept art and, uh, you know, my comic art that I was doing on the side. Um, he was always really supportive. Um, yeah, really nice guy. Man, that's so, so anyways, cool. um, you know, at some point, so I was still, yeah, oh, dude, yeah, I was, I was blown away to meet him. Um, Jealous. So <laughs> when I first... Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I first went over to Sony, I was still doing um, environment work. So I was doing, you know, modeling and texturing. And we didn't really have too much of a concept art team to speak of because most of the concept art was being done by Jim's studio, Wildstorm, when they were still around. And uh, But we were working on an MMO. And, you know, they only had a couple of comic guys who were also doing their books. So they were doing their books and they were also doing concept art for our game. And so there's only, you know, they can only draw so quick, you know. Yep. So at some point we, we realized, you know, we're doing an MMO. We, there's a lot of concept art that has to be done here, and there's no way that, you know, uh, Wildstorm will be able to do it themselves. So they started, you know, putting into motion a plan to actually, you know, put together our own concept art team. Well, it just so happened that, you know, I was kind of going through this phase where every time I would go to meetings, I had this little uh, notepad of, uh, of, you know, little yellow paper or whatever anyway i would sit down and you know instead of listening to the meeting <laughs> i'm like sitting there drawing like busts of characters and i think you know uh, i think i had done like a jim gordon or a two-face or you know something like that and anyway so i would draw these things and i would just tear them out and i would leave them on the table i would just sign them and leave them there um and i don't know what got me started on that i think it was something accidental like somebody had asked to see it so i tore it out and i let them see it and then they just left it on the table anyway it became a thing 
Well, at some point, I think it was our creative director was walking around asking, like, who is the one who's leaving these drawings sitting around? And finally, my boss was like, oh, that's uh, that's Pedro over there. He just draws them in the meetings or whatever. And uh, <laughs> he came walking in. He was like, so you're the one who's been leaving these all over. I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, so the first few, I didn't even realize that you'd signed them. And I thought maybe Jim left them last time he was here. <laughs> that is amazing. That is a compliment and a half. Well, it, well, the the thing is, is like it, it. I was taken aback by it because I was like, dude, they're not that great. But I think it, I think it was because it was comic styled stuff, and Jim would come in, you know, like once every other month. So people just figured, like, oh, somebody drew a comic book head. It must have been him. Um, so, anyways, that sort of got me on the path to um, switching into doing concept art because my art director was like, well, we're gonna need help. We need somebody to help build this team, and you're capable of doing it, and you have a grasp on the style. Um, and it helps that you're a huge Jim Lee fan because, you know, that's what we're making. Um, so that's how I transitioned into concept art. And I finished out that project uh, a couple years later and then ended up moving on. And, uh, yeah, I've done games. Uh, I left games for a couple years uh, to do some animation work over at Rooster Teeth here in town. Cool. Um, and now I'm back in games. Uh and, you know, trying to do as much as I can on the side. I have, you know, like a IP that I'm trying to develop um, and uh, doing a lot more comic styled work. Uh, I haven't actually done it in a while. And now I've I've kind of got the itch. So everything I do now is all comic stuff. And it feels good to kind of get out of the, the day to day 3D work. So, yeah, man, I love that. That's super cool. And especially working in video games, being able to work on a project like that with Jim Lee heading it is uh it's the perfect kind of bridge between concept art and comic book art and you know my heart always lie it laid with comic books as well but uh being uh getting into concept art and 3d modeling and stuff for video games just always seemed like a more viable option if you wanted a, an art career in entertainment mm -hmm. because the comic book industry you know like you said when you were growing up right it never occurred to any of us that we wouldn't become famous comic book artists because back then comic books were so popular and yep. um slowly but surely uh it, that industry just kind of tapered off further and further and it it never really got back to where it once was so yeah fast forward to now and, and video games and movies and and film it's it's the more realistic thing to aim for if you want to be an artist and have an art career. So it's really cool to be able to do both when you're able to kind of sneak in as a comic book artist and still work in the video game industry. Oh yeah, totally. Well, and you know, I got into a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Um, I actually have several friends who kind of like what you're saying. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's people who grew up, you know, huge fans of comics had some type of aspiration to, you know, one day work on their own book, either, you know, write it and draw it or, you know, just do the art or, or whatever. And uh, as the opportunity started to dry up, I guess you could say, and <laughs> I think people, you know, you, you know, you're there, people are looking for other venues to kind of work their craft. And so, yeah, it ends up being things like concept art or whatever. But now I feel like, and maybe it's been like this for a while and I'm just now catching on, 
but I feel like we we now have venues available to just about everyone that really are starting to make it a lot more viable. So mm-hmm. you've got places like uh, you know Gumroad and Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and like I feel like I'm seeing uh, like I'm seeing people doing projects all over the place. Uh, totally. You know, on Kickstarter the other day I ran into. Like I, I saw this list of like you know ten or so folks that you know had graphic novels in the works, and uh, and the stuff was look it looked great. You know it it looked like the quality looks like something you'd see from you know Marvel or or DC or Image or something. Um, you know on Indiegogo there's a bunch of stuff, um, and I feel like now people like even even if it's just a, a you know a part time thing you have these venues that are available to you to, as a creator, kind of do whatever you want and you don't have a middleman. You can just set up a page as long as you're halfway decent at marketing yourself. Um, and if the work that you're showing is good, people will pay for it. Absolutely, um, man. Totally. And man, like if, if God, even when we were, God, when I was in high school or college, man, if they had stuff like this, I mean, <clears throat> man, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, it's, it's so easy well relatively to you know just kind of start a campaign or start a page and you know start putting your work up there and um yeah it's it's just nuts i mean like we we didn't really have anything like that and so it was like well uh, you can try to get a job working on x-men or you know or you know batman or you know something like that and there were only a handful of publishers and outside of that you didn't really have any uh you didn't have any options well, yeah, it's so cool now because not only can you create comic books without needing to be hired by one of the, you know, the big two or three or four, but you also get to work on your own comic books. It's like, you know, the fantasy that we had as kids is now a reality and it's mm-hmm. it's awesome, man. Like, I'll be honest with you, the, I, at some stage, I started looking through the comic books on Indiegogo and ever since... I've been just binging through them, like backing this one and that one and putting them mm-hmm. in order, waiting for them to arrive because, man, some of the comic book artwork on there is like the exact same style of Jim Lee from, you know, back in the 90s or, you mm-hmm. know, it's just amazing that we've got that now, you know, because the, the style did change somewhat. It it went from that ultra detailed, uh, you know, rendering to something which is a little bit more sleek and and simplified, I guess these days. But totally, I, I miss those details. Like Todd McFarlane, Greg Capullo back in the day, they <laughs> got me started off, man. If you remember Greg Capullo's work on Spawn or uh, you know his own title, The Creech, it was just mind blowing. Uh-huh. Yeah, speaking of The Creech, um, I'm pretty sure uh, Greg Capullo has uh, like maybe a, a screen grab uh of my account that he's got on the wall that he throws darts at for how many times i've left messages <laughs> on, his, on his twitter going like hey this batman illustration you just did is awesome so when are we getting another creech book yeah <laughs> dude i've messaged him as well i'm like man this is great no like i love the stuff you're doing with dc but i really miss the stuff you were doing with the creech and and spawn back in the day and yeah. you know people evolve and and their styles change and and develop over time so you know that's always going to happen but uh mm-hmm. it's just awesome. Oh god you want to you want to talk about an artist whose uh style has evolved 
So <laughs> I was digging through some old, old comics because uh, I, you know, I'm I've got an office where, like, in the corner, I've got you know a number of these long white comic boxes. You know, the ones where it's like you can pull the the side out and it's like a drawer or whatever. Yep. Like I've got boxes of those things, and so I'm going through a bunch of it, going like, do I really need this? Do I really need this? You know, in the end, I didn't get rid of anything. Um, and I have like just tons of '90s X-Men stuff, but what I had in there that I forgot about was. I want to say it's uh, I've got some X Force in there. Nice. And sure enough, some of those are uh, a Greg Capullo run. What? I and didn't know I didn't even X-Force. recognize the art. Like the style is just unrecognizable. Yes, yes. Like go on Wikipedia and go look up his name. And it was like before he before he hooked up with Todd. He was over at Marvel, and he worked on a couple different titles, but one of them, I think it's X-Force. Yeah, because it was Cable and Cannonball and the rest of those characters. And, yeah, dude, like, and his signature's, like, all different. Like, it's not not (laughs) this super hyper-detailed kind of, like, Todd McFarlane but better type thing that he started when he was doing Spawn. Like, if you look at the first couple issues he did of Spawn – it still sort of has that Marvel style he was doing. Yep. And it's a lot more of like his take on, I don't know, like a Jim Lee or Chris Claremont or, um, yeah, like it, it, it was nuts. Like it's, it's not even recognizable. And then like over the course of like two issues, um, like suddenly it, it's more like the stuff that you're used to where it's, it's, exaggerated in a certain way it's lots of little details um mm. yeah it's it's crazy I, like i didn't even realize it i like i popped it open and i'm like yeah yeah i'm looking at it i was like what is this artist and i looked at it it was greg capullo i was like dude are you kidding me it's so crazy. yeah i mean that dude's gone through an evolution yeah for listen. sure what about yourself have you noticed the same thing in your own art like has it i mean it must have changed over time or throughout the years uh yeah well Let's see. I always freak out about that, to be honest, because I get really familiar with the way my art looks one day, and then the next day it it might change, and it's almost like you want to try you want to try to maintain a certain amount of consistency in your work, but sometimes it just grows and evolves in its own way. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, so so my thing is, I mean, I. I learned how to do comic style. T- I mean, like that, that was how I learned how to draw, frankly, was just reading comics and sort of emulating what I was looking at. And so, I mean, that's th- those were my first anatomy classes. <laughs> yeah. uh, th- those were my first, you know, shading and rendering classes. And um, yeah. so, you know, I had like a, a good couple different artists that I would, look at and they sort of informed stylistically what I was doing um, you know it's I, I guess you could refer to it almost like a, I'll, I'll just call it a it was master studies in homages <laughs> no they weren't ripoffs at all oh dude that um, was the same man nothing wrong with that <laughs> um, but yeah like uh, it was so yeah it was it was like 90s X-Men stuff so it was you know like Jim Lee and um Andy and Adam Kubert, um, 
and then and and so my stuff sort of had that type of a feel for a while and then i got into um joe mad and god there was another artist who was kind of similar but oh what is his name uh chris i'm gonna mispronounce his name chris bacallo or bacallo b-a-c-h-a-l-o mm-hmm. he did a, he did a bunch of uncanny x-men and then he went off and did a book called steampunk yeah, um right. but anyway like i i got into his style like real like just the really sort of expressive um exaggerated you know lots of lots of energy um so i i kind of went in that direction for a while oh god and then i went through uh more of a manga phase because a friend of mine in high school got me into that so we were reading a lot of um like it, it was like you know ninja scroll and then there was a comic called blade of the immortal that i got into for a while and so like what i realized was after a while it was like i would i would go through these phases and each time i would move on to a new phase i didn't completely jettison everything that had come before it it was like i was learning new stuff and then enveloping all of my old tendencies into that so you know i was also getting into spawns i was looking at todd mcfarlane and i was looking at you know greg capullo and then i found you know mark silvestri and then you know and like they it just kept on going and going and going and so i kept on finding little bits and pieces from different artists that i liked and i would try to just fold those in Mm, um there is and we'll get on to your uh was it luna luna 2 uh luna 2 yeah yeah yeah. um your style does definitely have a mark silvestri vibe about it which i dig a lot Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mix that in with Jim Lee and whatnot. It's definitely, you know, whatever your style is, it, it looks like it's tri- time traveled from the 90s till now. And uh, I think that's awesome, man. Like, I miss. <laughs> it, as I long miss as it's in a good way. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, talking about that, actually, and for those listening, uh, that that comic art workshop by Michael is over on uh, How to Draw Comics. Go check it out. I went and sat through it, and uh, it just, man, it was a good refresher to to see someone, you know, inking and thinking about how they balanced out the values and just the extraordinarily insane amount of detail that you incorporated into it, but just in the right places. I mean, even if you didn't say anything, even if you didn't narrate it, it'd still be so educational just to watch it, but... um. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you, you found it, uh, you know, interesting and, and, you know, hopefully it's, it's also helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, it, I've been a fan of, of kind of the instructional video format, like ever since I was watching Noman stuff when I was in college. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really fun. I, I find that, uh, <laughs> I had to do like a couple of different versions of it in fact like if you watch closely especially on the first video it takes me some time to really get into it because like i'm still getting over that weird sort of uh performance anxiety when you know that your 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 screen's being recorded and i'm sitting there like getting frustrated going like come on (laughs) it is not this hard (laughs) i hate that so much really like if if i just if i just turned off my screen recorder it would just go fine but as soon as i turn it on suddenly it's like uh i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah um the worst no, part but is, i'm glad you liked it yeah. the worst part is when you get halfway through it and then then you realize it's crap and then you start again 
after you're halfway <laughs> through it already. It's like, yeah, man, you know this is gonna be, it's gonna be for sale. People are gonna be learning from it. It's gonna be perfect. Um, right. But yeah, I think uh, for me, it's it's the dialoguing process. I never quite feel like I've I've gotten out what I wanted to say in the right way. And uh, yeah. so I find myself hitting the stop and re-record button <laughs> after an hour-long demo. Just like, nah, it's just it's a little bit that needs to be fixed here. But, I mean, it's weird, you know, talking about and trying to analyze and break down your process as you're watching it happen on the screen in front of you, especially if it's time-lapsed. How do you get around that? <laughs> do you find that weird or do you just go with the flow? Uh, both. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, I, okay, so this is kind of a funny story. Uh, well, it wasn't funny at the time, I assure <laughs> you, but it's funny now. Good. So, you know, initially I was thinking, uh, I had this sort of internal debate of, you know, was I going to record the video, record myself working and just speak over it in real time? Uh, because, you know, I felt like, okay, well, it, it's easier to talk about it if I can discuss it as I'm, you know, in real time as I'm thinking through it. Like, I, I you know, a good example is uh, the videos that Feng Zhu does up on the Feng Zhu Design YouTube page, where it's like he'll just get on there and he'll paint and he'll draw. But for the most part, like, he, he's got some videos where it's, and he's just kind of talking over it. But, uh, you know, at least half the time he's, he's doing it in real time. And so he's talking about it as he's, you know, going through the process. So I was thinking like, okay, I could see that being useful, you know, but then on the other hand, I'm like, well, you know, if this thing takes me, you know, all day to get through, like, what am I going to put out a, a, a you know, a, a video series that's, you know, <laughs> six hours long? No way. So I'm sitting there like, okay, well, I need to be able to speed it up. So that discounts the ability to to talk through it at the same time. If it was a shorter video, sure, but, you know, not for something long like that. So I went ahead and, you know, I did all the recording, and then it came time to do the uh, the voiceover. And I think it was the very, yeah, it was the very first video I got. There were, I think, two points where I ended up having to re-record my voiceover because it's like you're, you're not in the same headspace you were in when you recorded it. Yeah. And... Like I, I'm going through it and I'm talking about it and I realized after the fact I had recalled it incorrectly and okay. I'm sitting there going, well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't want people to get confused or, you know, whatever. So I had to go back and I had to, you know, re-record it. And that's, that's when I realized, you know, lessons learned that if there was anything important that I was thinking about or that I was doing, or if there was a brush setting that I really needed to remember while I'm doing it, I needed to write it down because otherwise, you know, I was going to misremember it like an idiot. Like, I think it was something like I was describing a brush that I wasn't actually using. Right. Like I, I did like, I did like a 10 minute explanation about like, this is the brush that I'm using and this is how I made it and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then like 10 minutes later into the voiceover, I'm going, wait a second. I don't, wait, oh, that was the wrong one. And I had to stop it and go back and watch it again. And I popped open my PSD and I'm looking at, it, I was like, that's not even the brush I was using. So I had to go and re-record. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, that's, that's the joys. That's the joys of, you know, going back to a video that you recorded, you know, a week prior and trying to remember everything that you did and yeah. Yeah. Funny stuff. Brutal. So 
Well, they, they were, <laughs> they're what, like an hour long each, and there's three of them. Did you smash it out just in the in the hour, or did you kind of break it up into smaller chunks of recording to make it more manageable? Uh, oh, are you talking about the, the actual... The... The voiceover or the, the voiceover oh the, the voiceover recordings um so i i put together all the videos um and then i would sit down and just do each video in one sitting nice so you know the first one was relatively easy you know i think that one was only it was like 30 minutes or something like that and then the other videos are over an hour and yeah those were a bit of a marathon yeah <laughs> uh and i think i did those i think i did the, the last two back to back Whoa, Which, really? Um, yeah. Like, I, I did one, and I took, like, a 15-minute break, and then I did the next one. Well, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Damn, yeah. man. Well, what I like about them is, because uh, when I'm putting together these videos, I have a tendency to feel like I have to fill in every gap of space where there's no dialogue with dialogue. So I end up rambling a little bit. But what I loved about yours, and what I learned from yours, was that... You kind of just go through, and if something which is worth mentioning comes up, you'll kind of talk the the viewer through it, and then you you know you won't have a problem just pausing and, and letting it play out, which I thought was um, something I always tried to avoid in mine. But actually, watching yours, it was nice to have that space where you were just kind of watching it unfold. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd be interested because uh, I, I haven't actually had a whole lot of feedback on those videos, and I'm in the process of doing another one right now. Um, I'd be curious to know, like, can you quantify, like, what about, like, was it because there was music there, or, like, what do you think made that work? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think... Um... Because to to be honest, I was a little concerned about that too. I yeah. I showed it to a couple of uh, of my coworkers, and I was like, you know, does it does it seem weird? You know, I, I like I put music on there, and because mm. there's a couple of there's a couple of times where it it goes, you know, a, yeah, a good a stretch without any narration, and I was a little concerned about it. Um, yeah, now I can see exactly why you'd be concerned because I've always been the same, but uh, actually seeing it uh, from you throughout that video i don't know if it was the music i think it's just you know when a student buys one of these workshops or you know a demonstration it's not just the dialogue that they're after sure the explanation is great but really you know how much can you explain i mean after a while inking becomes just the same process over and over again and True. so uh, i think that the other part of the equation is the visuals and so when you're not talking, it almost makes me as the viewer pay more attention to what's happening in front of me. It kind of, mm. because my I'm not taking in any voice, right, through my hearing, I'm more focused visually. And I think that that can be just as engaging. I mean, if it, who knows, without the music, maybe it's, it's not as engaging as I think it is, or... Uh, if it goes for too long of a stretch of time without any dialogue, maybe I do zone out a little bit. But I found it surprisingly engaging, man, to be honest. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, totally. So uh, tying things back to the Indiegogos and the Kickstarters and whatnot, you're very talented at comic book art. You know how to draw, you know how to ink, you know how to color. 
Have you thought about starting your own campaign or have you got one in mind for the future? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, earlier I, I mentioned that I was working on an IP. It's something that I've had going for a couple of years and it's, you know, for a while it was, you know, just like every other artist where it's like, yeah, I've got an IP I'm working on, sure. And really, it's like a couple of illustrations you've done and, you know, like maybe a couple of character names. And if somebody really, you know, pinned you down to it and said, like, okay, so what is this IP about? You'd be like, uh, oh, hey, you know what? I got to go somewhere. So I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I finally, last year, I decided, I was like, I, I, need to, I need to make something happen. And something, like, I've, I've kind of been going back and forth on, you know, am I going to do maybe like a comic book format do i do something that's animated um i'm not really i'm, I'm still not quite sure um mm. i i will say i've been incredibly inspired by all the projects that i'm seeing people you know kickstarting or stuff on indiegogo or what have you um just seeing the type of quality that people are are putting out and seeing how well that stuff is received I mean, because it's one thing to be able to produce a piece of art or, you know, a, you know, a book or what have you that's super high quality. It's another thing to market it in such a way where people can see enough and get interested and be willing to pay for it. And the stuff that I've been finding, I mean, people are making way beyond what their initial ask is mm -hmm. um, just because there seems to be so much interest in, uh, I'm assuming it's just an interest in independent comics or graphic novels yeah it could be it could be the art style as well i mean it is insane how much like ten, like five to ten grand is like a small amount of money being made on some of these platforms and then you you cut some that are getting you know 200k 200k you know mm -hmm. some of them are making like a million and it's just i think there was an earthworm jim comic which is you know fair enough it's an established character but it made over a million dollars in Indiegogo, I think, and it's just like what? Damn. Wow! Yeah. So seeing that stuff, I'm a bit like you. Like I'm working on the how to draw comic side. I'm making all these like tutorials and, and courses and whatnot. But then I, I go to Indiegogo. I see all these awesome comics being made, or you know, Kickstarter or whatever. I'm like, dude, I gotta make a comic book. Like, why am I waiting <laughs> around when uh, yeah. you know the fruit is ripe and it's right there for the picking. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say something else that's, I'll admit, it's got me in the mood, is there were a couple of books that came out recently that brought me back to the comic store right down the street from my studio where I've gone ever since I moved here. Um, and I was interested enough, and I got the itch, and I started my weekly pull list of books again. So, I mean, so what is this, Thursday for us? Uh, I just went and picked up a couple of new books yesterday. Um, and just walking around and looking at all the books on the shelf and just, you know, all the new stuff, like new independent publishers, um, you know, not so much the, the big two anymore. Um, mm. Like Marvel and DC, like I'm, I've just there's something about those where it's kind of played out for me. I don't know if it's, you yeah, know, all the, the movies or, or what it is, but you know, at, at some point I realized I was just rereading the same stories over and over. 
Um, but yeah, like I just going to the store and walking around and and being surrounded by all the creativity that's up on those shelves. Um, it's I gotta say it's it's got me inspired to to consider doing um, a comic book because uh, because I, I feel like it's it's doable. You know I can um, you know I can do the art myself. The writing would be uh, would be a challenge for sure because I'm not traditionally a writer. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think you need to be, to be honest, man. Like, I mean, that's almost part of the fun. They're both uh, creative mediums, and you know when you've got a character that you're drawing out of the page, there's already a story going on in the back of your mind about them anyway. And then it's just you know filling in the gaps and stretching out the details and into a plot yeah that's true that's true yeah. uh i mean I've, I've had you know things that i've <laughs> i've got several google docs that that are just you know unending where it's just ideas for things <laughs> and ideas for scenes and everything and it's like i've never been good about actually putting that stuff together into one cohesive format to where it was okay it's a one narrative whatever so it's i think that would be the the major learning experience for me honestly oh yeah but um but yeah yeah i mean getting back to your question i mean it i i had thought about doing an animation uh primarily because i just uh got done working at rooster teeth about a little over half a year ago Mm. um working on their new animated series genlock and so I got to see how a 3D anime is built, you know, from the ground up. And I just remember, you know, after we launched that first season, thinking to myself, dude, oh, my God, I could totally do this. I mean, it would take forever. <laughs> but, and like, it would have to be a small, you know, manageable chunk of work. But, uh, like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it's kind of like what I was saying earlier with, like, Kickstarter and everything else. Like, we, we have software at our, at our disposal now that, you know, nobody would have had access to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's, it's way too easy. I mean, there's, there's learning involved, but at least you can get your hands on, on everything you need. So, but anyway, I was thinking about maybe doing an, an animated property and, but, uh, yeah, now I'm, I'm starting to think like, well, you know, if I, if I did it in comic book format, I could probably kick it out way faster. So yeah, yeah I don't know. I've, I have interest either way. Totally, man. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, uh, your stuff looks amazing, so it'll be cool to see it oh, thank know, you. in a comic book format or in an animation. I don't mind, man. Whatever whatever you want to put out there, I'll definitely be checking out. Um, but uh, getting back to a few questions here, actually, um, because, because of that talent, I'm wondering, do you, and I'm sure the audience is wondering as well, being someone as skilled as yourself, do you still have moments of doubt, like... When you're, uh, you know, you might be technically good, but that's different from feeling confident in your abilities. And I think no matter what skill, level of skill you're at, there are times when uh, you have this self-doubt creep in and, and you wonder whether or not you're as good as you think you are. Like, for example, every now and then I'll be sitting at the drawing board, I'll be feeling great about, you know, and confident about what I'm able to do, and I'll, I'll put pencil to paper and whatever it is i'm drawing just comes out looking all sorts of wonky and i'm like i thought i was good at this and it just it, it really, <laughs> you know you, yeah. you take a hit your ego take yeah. your artistic ego takes a hit there and uh it's like shit maybe i better get practicing <laughs> <laughs> oh dude that's the world i live in 
Yeah. Trust me. Um, what, what, what is it called? Imposter syndrome, oh, yeah. where it's like any at any given moment, um, the world is going to find out that actually you suck and you didn't know what you were doing the whole time. You just got lucky <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, that's that's basically the world that I live in. The funny thing is um, half the artists I've ever worked with have that exact same sentiment. Mm. Um, and uh, and it makes me wonder, like, like what is wrong with us? <laughs> because like I'll I'll look at I will go to work and uh, you know some of my best friends there, I will see them working on something. You know I'll sort of come up and and sort of inquire about it and you know throw out a compliment and hey wow that looks amazing and you just get nothing but negativity and these aren't people who are looking for attention mind you I mean these are these are people who you know they'll always want genuine feedback or you know whatever. And um, they just genuinely, like, when they look at their work, they just, they feel like, it's like they can't see what's, what is working, and they can only see the, the failure part of it. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Um, I just had a conversation with a coworker about it. I want to say it was yesterday morning. We come in first thing. I sit down. Uh, you know, the guy that's next to me, he looks over at me, and he's like, you ever have those days where uh, you just you just wonder if you just suck as an artist because nothing is working? <laughs> and, I was, and I said, I think a more appropriate question is, do I ever have days where I don't feel like that? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's most days. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know what that is. Uh, I do know for me, um, I, I ended up sort of <laughs> – I mean, not to sound pretentious or anything, but like I, I sort of turned it into a philosophy of, you know, always think that your own work sucks because if you always think that your work is not good enough, then you always have like you're you're never wanting for drive to try to get better. Um, mm -hmm. As soon as you as soon as you get to a place where you're like, yeah, I'm pretty good or you know what, this this is looking really good. It's like, OK have those feelings and then let them pass because if you hold on to it for too long um because i feel like i've seen it you know being in the games industry for so long like every once in a while you meet those people where it's like yeah you are thoroughly impressed with your own work aren't you <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah and, and you know and you end up finding that like those people it's like they reach a certain level and then it's hard for them to break through because they think that they're there yeah whereas the people who never think they're there who you know and and i've seen people be too hard on themselves i it's not like i'm recommending that but mm -hmm. i will say that the people who are constantly like eh, you know it's all right they're also the ones who are constantly just you know just pushing you know just pushing mm -hmm. and pushing to get better and get better so it you know mentally it's probably not healthy <laughs> but but at some point it it's like you know if it if it drives you to improve then um I don't know. Maybe it's not such a bad thing. Yeah, man. I, I, I agree with you. I, I like your philosophy as well. I think it, it keeps you on your toes, you know, as an artist, because it can be easy with anything that you train hard at and get good with. It's easy to become complacent because it's it's not like you get to the top of the hill and then you just stay there. It's like if you don't keep on trying and, and going up that mountain, you'll start sliding back down. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's one of those never-ending journeys, and that can either be really encouraging for the people who love a challenge, or it can be discouraging for those who give up too easily. 
but you definitely figure out at one point or another whether or not this is really what you want to do and decide to commit or bail out, I guess. The other thing I was going to ask you about is when it comes to uh, not just lacking confidence, which I guess you just work through that, right? You just have your good days and your bad days. But uh, what about yeah. motivation? Where do you where do you find your sources of inspiration when you're just feeling flat? Because I've also had those days where I'm doing pretty good. I just don't feel like drawing. Like I'm not feeling the fire in my belly as I used to. So, and and how long yeah. do those periods last for for you? Oh, uh, <laughs> that that is also something that happens way more than I'd like. Uh, and that one's difficult, you know, especially, you know, if you, you know, when you are doing any type of job where you are paid to be creative and, and by extension, you're, you're paid to essentially be as invested as you can, um, you know, just, just mentally, it, it can be difficult because it, it, that's not really how it works, right? Like mm. there are some days where you just don't have inspiration, motivation, what have you. You can hit design blocks and uh, those can be really, really, really difficult to work through. Um, I, you know, honestly, I tend to have a whole host of things I try, um, you know, whether it's, um, God, I don't know, like... Uh, you know, movies, you know, I, like, I, I feel like everybody has that thing that, that they can always go back to that, that can sort of reignite them with some type of excitement, oh, yeah. you know, about something. Because uh, that, that usually works for me. It's like, as long as I can get amped up and excited about something, then it's easy enough to try to work back into getting the motivation I need uh, for, you know, whatever project I'm on, whether it's, you know, at work or at home. Uh, so, you know, it could be movies, uh, it could be movies, it could be, you know, art books or, um, God, uh, not so much games, but, but, uh, you know, like animation or, you know, flipping through a comic book. Um, yeah. also, you know, I'm, I have to say that I, I love the creative synergy of working with other people. And mm -hmm. I find that when I'm working by myself, I get more of those design blocks or those, those, you know, the, the lack of motivation or what have you. But if I'm around other people who that also have that kind of energy, it's, it's easier to kind of play off of each other and kind of maintain that, that momentum of, of, uh, of, you know, just being invested and, and being interested uh, you know, it's like if I'm at work and, and I'm not feeling motivated to do something, which usually results in me having some type of design block. Um, you know, thankfully, I work with people who are who are um, they're they're so open and collaborative. It's like, OK, we'll just we'll save out our own pieces and we'll send them over to each other. And, you know, somebody will, you know, maybe paint on top of it or draw on it and, you know, send it back and say, hey, you know, what about these? Here's some ideas. And usually that's enough to kind of spark some ideas in your own brain and kind of get you going. And then it gets you motivated. And then um, so it, it can be all sorts of different things. But uh, it, it's certainly something that that uh, I go through occasionally. And it's always a huge pain when you have to deal with it. Oh, yeah, totally. It's, it's good to know that, uh, you know, even the pros experience these these blocks in their art. Um, 
I find that I'm inspired accidentally a lot of the time, which is what makes it difficult to know what to do when I'm feeling uninspired. Because, like, man, <laughs> what am I going to try here? Should I watch a movie? Is that going to be... Because I, I do get inspired by movies sometimes, most of mm-hmm. the time. Or do I need to read a comic book? What, what do I do here? What was I looking at the last time I really felt excited about this? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that's the do you, do you have any Do you have any tried and true methods for that? Like that that one or two things that you can always go back to and it's like, okay, yeah, this, mm. this is definitely getting me excited again. Yeah, I think um, for me it's it's funny because I really like looking at things, artwork that's I can aspire toward in, in mm-hmm. a way. So it's a, it's like a levels beyond where I'm at and that stuff kind of gets me like excited because I'm like, man, like I saw, um, I haven't read the book yet, but uh, I, I saw a review for the latest Bloodshot by Valiant and it was illustrated by Brett Booth. And he's got this... Oh, no kidding. He's got this killer 90s style, man. And he's, like, at the top mm-hmm. of his game right now. And I saw that the other day, and I was just drooling. Like, like damn it, i got to draw oh. a comic book right now. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to have to go check that out. Okay. Oh, yeah, dude, it's sick. It's so, so good. And I hope that uh, it'll encourage, you know, more comic books like that to be to be put out there. God, so I can't remember when's the last time I've actually seen him illustrate anything. Yeah, what is right. what has he been up to? I have no idea. He's been off the radar for a bit, but uh, he certainly hasn't uh, been letting his his skill set slide at all. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's it's sweet. Um, but yeah, man, like I love movies as well. Uh, usually, you know, you're right. Like catching up with your mates and talking about what you've been working on, what you want to work on, usually gets you re inspired. I've found that to to be very true. I think, you know, because your friends and you, and especially people you're working with, they hold you accountable a little bit. So then it's not yeah. just your motivation, it's also their motivation. And combined, it kind of gets you back on track, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, totally, man. So so where are yeah, you working? I, I will... Oh, sorry, go. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No. <laughs> No, well, you finish what you were going to say, and I'll jump onto the next thing. Oh, all I was going to say is, is um, you know, think about it a little bit more. I, I'm also really bad about, um, like this this state that you're talking about, where you're you're not really motivated. You know, you're you don't really believe in what you're doing. I'm really bad about slipping into that if I haven't had a win in a while, mm. right? So, like, if I'm, so you know, it's like I do just concept design for my nine to five job and if i feel like i haven't done anything that i've felt good about or i was you know proud to you know put up on the wall and you know for people to see it if i'm not believing in what i'm doing i really really quickly slide into that where i'm just like you know i i can't think of anything i'm not i don't even want to work on this Um, and the funny thing is, is like, as soon as I sort of stumble my way into like, oh, this is working. Oh, great. And then somebody else sees it and then the art director sees it and then it's good. And then you show it around and then, you know, your creative director's like, yeah, yeah, this is totally it. Suddenly then I've got all sorts of motivation because I'm like feeling good about it. But yeah, like if I'm, if I'm starting to feel down cause I'm like, wow, you know, like I, you know, I've got a design problem and I just can't solve it. Or if I'm working on an illustration and I'm not, not liking the way it looks, 
Um, yeah, like that's 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 that ends up getting dangerous for me. And it's like, oh god, I I need to do something good soon, because <laughs> yeah. otherwise I'm just gonna get worse. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Ugh. Sorry for yeah. the background noise. If you can hear it, it's just started raining here. But um, nah, dude, like I get freaking depressed when that happens to me. Like, if uh, if I'm if I've had an unproductive day, like I I started out with the best intentions you know, working on something, could be, it could be a course, could be an illustration, and it just doesn't work out, and at the end of the day, I'm left with nothing, I get so down and depressed about it. Um, mm -hmm. Usually a good sleep fixes that, but <laughs> totally, man. I, yeah, true, I true, yeah. Um, I was just going to ask you before, so where are you working at the moment? So right now, I'm working at a... Uh, uh, an independent game studio Sweet. located in Austin, Texas, uh, called Certain Affinity, and uh, it was founded, uh, I want to say, in 2006 um, by a couple of ex Bungie uh, employees. Oh, cool! And so they basically like um, the studio started as as kind of a, a co-development studio where uh, you know studios like Microsoft and then afterwards 343. Um, they would reach out and say like, hey, like we need help with some, you know, generating some multiplayer maps or, you know, whatever. And then, you know, we've got artists in-house and game designers in-house. Um, and, you know, they put together maps, you know, they could be remaster maps, they could be uh, original maps. Um, and then with every project and new partner we worked with, uh, we've sort of taken on more and more responsibility uh, worked on bigger and bigger titles and you know now we're kind of our own full-fledged studio um, you know we've got you know our own IPs that we try to develop um, as well as uh, you know working with you know big AAA publishers oh, nice um, so yeah the, the studios come a long way and and it's a it's a fantastic group of uh, really really talented people so um, and that's super cool yeah. and you get to work on your own stuff as well the the smaller game studios are definitely uh, feels like more, more like a family than a corporation, especially when you're working with good people. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you you start to you definitely start to feel it. Like uh, you know, when I first started at Certain Affinity, I think I was employee, you know, number fifty something. <laughs> yeah. So it was relatively small, you know. And now the the company is at. God, I want to say like a hundred some folks. Wow. Um, I think almost two hundred people or something. Damn, um, so and small. like I said, like I had, <laughs> I had, yeah, like I had left for about a year and a half to work at Rooster Teeth Animation, and then I came back just because, you know, sometimes you get an opportunity and you want to see it through and see what happens. And uh, yeah, when I came back, I was like, I don't recognize half the people here anymore because <laughs> <laughs> the projects that they work on are just so big. You have to hire that many people just to accommodate. Yeah, totally, man. Well, it's almost been an hour, so I'll let you go in a sec and uh, let you get back to work. But uh, i got one final question for you, and it's kind of a little bit of advice I was wondering you might, if you might be able to give it to some of the listeners that are out there, our fellow aspiring artists. So, sure. So for starters, when you were just starting out, you mentioned that you checked out some Gnomon DVDs, which... Right there with you, man. Love the Gnomon Workshop. <laughs> um, 
They had a bunch of cool stuff actually back in the day. I remember digital art tutorials. How to color mm-hmm. comics to spawnware taught me all I needed to know about coloring comics. Oh, books. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Man. It was oh, so sick. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's how origins, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, did you have a mentor? Did you go to art school? Did you? Are you still learning? You know, and what would you recommend someone just starting out right now should do if they want to, you know, not just get a, a a strong understanding of the fundamentals of drawing, but also push themselves to that pro status? Uh, okay, so there's a couple of different... Yeah, there's, there's a lot there. There's um, a few questions stuck away in there. So <laughs> I... <laughs> um, okay, so just to... I guess I'll just go one by one on that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I went the the art school route, and I've had debates with people about how viable or or how useful it is to even go to art school, you know, traditional art school, and uh, and I'm kind of on the fence about it. Uh, you know, on the one hand, I mean. There's the low-hanging fruit argument of, well, you know, it's you know student debt and everything, and it's like, okay, well, yes, of course, but um, I think you have to look at what it is of real value that you get out of the school experience. And looking back on my experience, I think what was most useful was <sighs> if I had to create two major buckets. One would be um learning the foundations right so uh you know like color theory um figure perspective um you know rendering whether it's you know in paints or pencil or something where you have to craft it with your hand it's not you, you don't have anything helping you like uh you know you're not using digital tools um so learning all those those foundations um, and then also the networking part because, you know, we, you know, we like all of my teachers had been, well, for my animation courses anyway, they had all been in the entertainment industry before, at least most of them. Um, And the school was really good about doing partnerships with entertainment studios. So, you know, like animation games, what have you. So the networking was great, also being forced to learn the fundamentals. Those were the big things. Why I'm on the fence about it is I feel like more and more you're able to get those without going to school in the traditional sense. But you kind of have to know, like, I feel like because of the internet and everything that's available, we have a menu of things that you can go after. You know, you can go and you can find videos on Gumroad or ArtStation or YouTube or Vimeo or, you know, whatever. You can go to people's um, Patreon pages where they're, you know, teaching you how to do things and you pay a monthly sub and there's no way that that would come ever close to paying for a traditional education. Um, there's like this menu of 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 things to choose from, you know, all this information, all this training. But the key is, is you kind of have to know what to go after first. 
Um, one thing that I see a lot of people like um, it tends to be younger folks who are trying to break into the industry. You look at their work and you can immediately tell what videos and what fr and from what artists they've been looking at. And you know immediately that what happened was is they said, well, I want to be in the industry, so I'm going to go and get all these videos from these very specific artists, and I'm just going to learn from them. And that can work, but it can also present the danger of you only learning how to do you're, – you're learning how to emulate. Yep. Because unless you're – because there, there are some artists out there who are fantastic teachers in that – they're giving you tidbits of fundamentals as they're teaching you. So if you're picking up on those, that's helpful. If you're just learning how to emulate what they do, that isn't helpful because it means that you're only learning how to do that very, very specific thing. You're learning how to model in a specific way. You're learning how to design, you know, a certain kind of sci-fi tech widget, you know, and it's like you're really, really good at that, but, you know, hopefully nobody ever expects you to, you know, break out of that box and do something else. Yeah. So my thing would be you can learn a lot of these things online or you can go to, you know, if you're, if you're lucky enough to live somewhere like LA or what have you, where they have, you know, like concept design academies and, you know, all these like brainstorm school and everything else. Um, that's great because more than likely you'll learn some fundamentals, but I've, I've noticed that even though access to education online is easier, it also means that people sort of feel the urge to kind of, jump ahead a few spots in the line and, you know, skip those, those necessary steps. So my thing would be, um, you know, you can, you know, certainly go online. There's lots of great educational resources available. Um, just make sure that you take the time to go through and learn fundamentals first, because fundamentals are going to mean that, no matter what tools you you use later, whether it's traditional or it's digital or it's, you know, 2D painting or it's 3D modeling or whatever, knowing the fundamentals means that as long as you can get past the technical hurdle of learning those particular softwares, you'll be successful. Mm. Um, yeah, don't uh, – actually, a really great example is uh, uh, I have a friend who teaches digital painting for concept art. And, uh, and his whole thing is, is uh, he doesn't let his students use custom brushes or anything in Photoshop for like the first like semester or something like that. It's like the first year, you know, and his whole thing is, is like, you're going to learn how to paint with just the most simple brush that doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't give you details. It doesn't give you shapes. It doesn't give you anything because you have to learn how to do it out of your own head. And you have to learn what actually makes all this work. Yeah. Then you can it's, – it's the whole like, you know, learn the rules before you learn how to break them. Totally. It's like learn all the rules, then you can learn the cheats. Don't learn the cheats and then work yourself into a corner where you only know how to do one kind of thing because you don't have the fundamentals in your back pocket. So that's a little, that's a really uh, long-winded answer to that one. <laughs> no, man, that is a great a great long-winded answer to a long-winded question. Um, I think you got a good point there, though, and it's it's almost like 
if you're searching for educational courses online that teach you this stuff, it's like you've got to be looking at the uninteresting ones that cover things like form and perspective and figure drawing. You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't look fancy. It's not a a finished uh, comic book illustration like Lumina 2. But um, really what you would get out of that is probably a... I mean, it's a master study, right? So you get a great look at the workflow um, and how all of that is executed, but also uh, it's a study of the style. And I think that those demonstrations which are out there are really fantastic for developing your style. Like especially if you're learning from a bunch of different uh, artists. So I was like you a little bit as well, Michael, back in the day. I'd find these images by you know David Finch or Mark Silvestri or Jim Lee, and I would literally redraw a carbon copy of them because in the back of my mind I figured that there's got to be something that's sinking in here. You know, The way that they render, mm-hmm. the way that they lay down line weights, the way that they compose the image... You know, it's this mm-hmm. higher tier aspects that you're going to get out of those types of studies. But, of mm-hmm. course, the, what they don't necessarily tell you is that all of that is built on top of the fundamental structure that makes the illustration work in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's you know, it's a combination of both. If you can have it all, then and in this day and age, why not? Um, but, yeah, man, really great answer. Thanks for that. Oh yeah, no problem. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I get into debates about the education thing a lot, and uh, it's just you know, like I said, it's like I've I've seen you know you get you know candidates, you get uh, you know like job applications, and you have to like look over people's portfolios, and so you start to pick up on a lot of those those tendencies that uh, that people have, who you know, it's like it. You, I feel like like when I was growing up, like all you had were you could you could grab a piece of art, whether it was, you know, from a comic book or something like that, and you could sort of master study it. Or you could, you know, go to a library and get, you know, anatomy and perspective books. So it was like you were in a way you were forced to have to get some type of a grasp on fundamentals, or at the very least, you were you didn't have any choice but to be exposed to that because those were kind of the only resources you had. Um, you know, even um, I'm sure you've seen this, but I used to have this book. It was called uh, "How to Draw Car- uh, Comics the Marvel Way." Oh yeah, Classic. and and they went into fundamentals in there too. It was just like this is how this type of you know this is how a head looks in perspective. You know, this is how many heads tall you know a, a, an average male is. This is how many you know, and it would like break down like all the different segments of the body and like this is how you draw really simple gestures to indicate a hip and this is how you draw like um and now it's like I mean there's just it's it's so easy to get a hold of, you know, anything and everything. It's just it's easy to to almost cheat, right? To like jump ahead five steps and go um it's like okay well i haven't really learned how to paint but uh now i've got custom brushes or i haven't really learned how to model but it doesn't matter because i can just go and buy a you know kit bash set or you know whatever yeah um big time. and and you can you can learn that way but i think i think in the end it it ends up i th- i would argue that in the end it makes things a little more difficult for you uh, because you have less of a chance of figuring out what is wrong with your own work 
because you don't have that you don't have that eye developed to be able to understand why it's even working to begin with. Yeah, totally. It's almost like you've got to work a little bit harder um, without all that, like the the massive amount of resources available to us. Um, yeah. You know, back in the day, you just you had to figure it out on your own. So you were forced to develop whatever mechanism that is inside your brain that it, that allows you to be able to, you know, build on top of a a stable structure that makes you a more versatile artist where you're able to do more with what you've got. Whereas these days mm -hmm. you're, you're right. Like one, um, there's just so much out there uh, at your disposal. So you can skip ahead without really having, um, what do they call it? The, the underlying uh, fundamentals covered, mm -hmm. but also on top of that, it's, it's hard to know who to follow as well, which it, it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing because you've got multiple people there that you can learn from. So you get all these different perspectives, but it's also like, you know, there's a limited amount of time. So where are you going to dump that time? And not only that, the, the time to watch it, but also the, the time to practice what you're watching and whether or not that's going to be something that clicks with you, whether it's going to work out for you in the long run. And mm -hmm. there's, a, uh, there's a lot to be said about the, uh, the age that we live in with uh with this stuff yes yep totally man well thanks so much for being here man <laughs> we've taken up a lot of your time today but oh, i feel no like problem. we can chat forever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh totally totally yeah this is this has been fantastic yeah thank you for having me on no worries man we'll, we'll have to we'll have to catch up again for sure i say that to all the guests that i have on because we have such great conversations and stuff but we definitely got to have you back at some point man because you know, you have a lot of insight to give for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, hopefully people find it uh, useful. Yeah, so, no yeah, worries, anytime. Man. Yeah, anytime. So uh, if people want to find out more about you, the, the listeners out there, if they want to track you down on social media and give you a good stalk, where should they go? <laughs> uh, they can go to uh, my website. Uh, cool. It's michaelpedro.com, uh, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-P-E-D-R-O. Um, I also have a Patreon they can go to. It's uh, patreon.com slash Michael Pedro. Um, and, you know, through those different venues, you can kind of find links to all my different uh, social media sites. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I try to be all over the place. So <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, uh, it's great having you. And to the listeners out there, thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like more comic art tips, tricks, and tutorials, be sure to check out www.howtodrawcomics.net. You'll find a bunch of written tutorials, videos, the podcast, of course, as well as our uh, How to Draw Comics store, where we've got a bunch of courses, among which you'll find uh, Michael Pedro's uh, latest uh, masterclass, uh, Lumina 2, I believe it's called. I've checked mm -hmm. it out myself. It's fantastic. I'll, I'll give, definitely give it the thumbs up right here, right now. It's worth a, <laughs> worth a look. Thanks, man. All right. No worries, man. Well, until next time, keep on creating, keep on practicing, and I'll see you in the next podcast episode. Mm -hmm.